0: What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com, and I'm your host, Gordon Burkel. In this episode, we have a very interesting interview. We're going to be talking to Janis Elisko Janssen. He is a Danish editor who worked on one of my favorite Danish films, The Hunt. Now, he also just worked on a very amazing documentary I highly recommend you check out, called Flea, which just as I'm recording this introduction got shortlisted for the Oscars, so hopefully it gets nominated. Now, Flea is a documentary about a young man who needs to escape Afghanistan with his family and the trials and tribulations that they go through. I recommend you check this film out. It might be playing at your local cinema. I haven't seen it on the streaming services just yet, but definitely if you can find it, check it out. With all that said, here's my interview with Janus. So the first thing I'd like to know is, how did you get involved with this project? Well, I
1: knew the uh, director, Jonas Ford. I met him when he was still a student, and I came in and gave some good advices uh, on his uh, student project. And also later on when he started to do documentary in the business. So when we had this one in the early stage, uh, we're still dealing with uh, the structure of the film and 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 the script of the film and what was this all going to be about and actually there uh, started going back on uh, more uh, discussions and uh, interview and intimate conversations between Jonas, the director, who also happens to be the best friend of uh, the main character. In. there was a gap there, I guess, half a year or something like that. So from the script writing into more interviews, Eunice, half a year later came back with a with a script and a, a basic idea of the film. Mm-hmm. And then we started to actually edit the the dialogue sequences. And we added the um, animated stories from the childhood and from they were, when they were fleeing and so on. But it was all in, uh, you know, this very simple black and white, uh, you know, you have a head, it blink, it opened the mouth, it closed the mouth, it looks right, it looked left, you know, it was mm-hmm. not really, and then then you could see, okay, this is a white shot, you can heart you could see there's a car and there's a person lying there, and there's another, person sitting next to it uh, but not m- much more than that you know the person could bend forward and then you will cut to it and then we'll bend forward so it was just open end in, in editing the animatic was something that we did together with actually editing the uh, dialogue pieces and the voiceover pieces a lot of people is talking about this as been an animated documentary i like you know to turn it around and say that it's actually is a documentary film which is animated the three different kind of uh, layer in the film which is the uh, totally 2D full color animation and then there's the black and white rough way of animation which most is the scary part the more nightmare part you know what are you afraid of what's going to happen you know that more scary part of it is the archive material that you can buy in and all these these different three different layers had its own budget. So what we had to do was that we had to deliver the animatic before that they went into actually really animating. Mm-hmm. And it has to be exact length because we cannot go over length because that will suddenly cost a lot of money. And we cannot say, Oh, a little too longer here, you know, and then we will see in the final editing if we can cut it out or not, or if we should going to lose it or something. Actually, the editing was dealing with the documentary part, which is the dialogue and, and conversation conversations between the main character, Amin, and Jonas, who also happened to be the director. And that went simultaneously with getting in stuff from the animators, just for making the base very rough, black and white animation that we can you know and then you can order a little more we can order wide shot you can order a different setup or things like that so that went on and on over these six months where we also figured out that we needed a Jonas the director to go back and have more depth talks with a man you know getting further into his character both as a child but also as a grown-up flea is two stories at the same time that's going parallel. One is the grown up man lying on a bench in his 30s and, and telling the story of his childhood and the way that he flee and all the way up till his uh, teen when he's coming to Denmark. So that that that's one story, you know, actually remembering and what happening and, and mm-hmm. how he felt. And then there's the other story, which is the grown up 30 year old grown up man lying on, on on the couch and telling this story. And by telling this story, it does something to the grown up in order to understand his life as a grown up, you can you can look at it, you know, say that in the end of the film, we have this uh, to me at least very, very beautiful scene, when he is coming to the gay bar, and is, uh, you know, accepted by the family, actually giving some money and opening up the door to this, which in many ways set free the uh, uh, young kid who flee from Afghanistan together with his family, but it sets him free. But we still need to tell the story of what did actually happen to the grown-up, what did telling this story and what is the uh, implication of fleeing and the complications that he has with his uh, fiancé, where he's want to live together with him, but at the same time he's fleeing all the time again as a grown up fleeing because he has this burden on his shoulder to rely on people and to trust on people because of the story from his childhood and the fleeing and and at the same time having the burden on on his shoulder that he has to be very, very successful. Because it's a family that has paid a lot of lot of lot of money for him to actually end up in this situation. So he has a responsibility to the family. And he has a responsibility to himself and by telling the story about his childhood, we needed him to reflect on where he is now so Jonas, again you know have to go back again and deep deeper into the what happened actually where are you now? how did you actually end up with that you will you know accept uh, buying a house and moving in and, and finding it then so that last bow of his grown up where we actually has left the childhood story, but the grown up to become as mature as possible. That, that's very interesting way that we could weave these two stories together. Quite simple way. It's as simple as it, it, it doesn't really look as anything very complicated way of building it up. Well, the simple the simple thing is very complicated to do, but it looks very smooth to me <laughs> at least.
0: One of my big questions for you was the subtlety with which you do the reveal for his homosexuality to his family. It's interesting because as soon as he got into the car, I became on edge because we don't know what's going to happen, which usually in a movie, if it's not well told. You're like, oh, I know what's going to happen, but you've given hints throughout. So how did you structure that particular storyline? How did you approach that? to give us that sort of tension. It was similar in when you worked on The Hunt, where it was like, what's gonna happen? I don't know what's gonna happen. And you sort of have this on edge feeling. Oh, it's a it's a big, it's a big question. Flee
1: is about losing home. And losing home, you have to leave it and is kicked out and you have to flee. You're fleeing together with your family. Mm-hmm. And that's what keeps them very close. But then at the same time, we as an audience know that uh, they don't actually really have a word in in Afghanistan for for homosexuality. You don't have him ever saying anything to his brothers about it. But but you have heard all the time the way that he tells the story. uh, I mean, is that my my big brother was always uh, teasing me. When it was back in, in Russia, it was again in you know, when they actually meet in Stockholm. He's teasing about that the Scandinavian girls are so beautiful, you know, maybe I should come and help you. Get and, and suddenly, you know, there's pressure to part of him, saying that uh, we actually he hasn't really been uh, very close to uh, to women at all. He is judged the edge of losing his family because when he goes to Stockholm, and actually meet the family, that he has been kept a secret for so long. And he go there, and it's a big moment. But he has a secret himself, that he is homosexual. And if that is revealed, he might lose everything, because he might also lose his family on top of that. And I think that over the three or four times that it has been mentioned uh, for the audience, it's such an impact on, on the audience that, oh, my goodness, you know, you can actually lose everything. So when he says, you know, okay, you have never been with a girl? No, I have never, never been with a girl. Huh? Then everybody will think, oh, my goodness, that he's going to present him to a, to a prostitute in order to take his. And then the moment when, as you said, you know, set into the car, and that was why actually one little uh, sequence there that we edit in, in the very, very final way of the editing, we've rearranged a couple of things there in order to get the feeling that, that the, the audience get the feeling of what is it that is on stake here that he can actually lose, you know, the good memories of what family actually is. That is actually what the arts there is there on the way to, um, to the bar. When he says, go, give him some money and go there. And the door is open and it's suddenly a totally new world. But what yeah. we do is that actually we cut back in time and 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 catch that little where he you know right after giving him the money says we knew all the time and then you as an audience you know you get tears in the eyes and that moment when we get into the bar after that after being acknowledged from uh, of his brother a moment where the documentary and the animation meet and transform it into something completely new because. You have the animation, and that's fantastic. But on the soundtrack, you have this fragile documentary tone in his voice, a little ashamed, a little uh, laughing at himself, a little trembling, giggling when he actually says, that was the first time I came into a a gay bar. I never came back this night. You know, I... I, uh, I I I didn't come home this night.
0: It's so interesting to hear how you tackled that, because it's setting up the stakes. Like, now we're worried if something bad happens, he loses everything. Like, he's already lost so much in his life. How did the footage come into you? Like, did they shoot actual footage of him lying on the bed, or was it all audio? From the
1: starting point, it was a traditional documentary from Jonas's idea, you know, just having his uh, best friend lying on a, on a couch with two cameras, one with the whole master scene, and then on one shot, when on camera on top of him, which is the one. So actually, there was a couple of uh, sessions at a stage where they filming it. And then he also started, you know, to follow his life, his life with his uh, boyfriend in the kitchen, they're going out to looking at, at the house. They have a uh, conversation in the car afterwards, crashing in on Jonas, the director's house there, you know, and complaining, mm-hmm. you know, they are actually in the end of the, uh, the story. They are in a new house. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of bits and pieces that was actually filmed and is and animated on top of those parts there. Mm-hmm. And then there was the stories that he has just told Jonas and that they, you know, played out as animation and with the characters as the traffickers there. And there's a lot of the background story that was told to Jonas by by Amin. But uh, of course, it was never filmed. The interesting thing there is that we at the same time found out that, for instance, the sisters, when they flee the very first time, that they mm-hmm. flee and they arrive in, in Stockholm, that was actually on this very same fairy because I mean we could look it up with dates and check it up like that and then during the editing and they had you know they were caught out in the ocean and this uh, big fairy came and they were not being picked up by them but sent back again we, we were there in the situation where it was out there but but maybe there was somewhere might be some archive material somebody might have filmed there Because they stay there for half a year or something like that, or Mm -hmm. more. By searching and searching, found out that actually I think it was a Finnish television that had been in that exactly place and actually at the same time. And when we went back, and Jonas showed it all the rough footage from the network that we got there, that he could you know point out other relatives there in the pictures, and so suddenly that was his story meeting reality, and it could be there. Otherwise, you, you might have been in a situation where we might have animated it, but it's much more fun, much more you know scary in the way, uh, the way that see these people uh, in this very, very, uh, not very pleasant surroundings there. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of material is simply just uh, animated on top of what actually happens.
0: Was there a particular scene or moment that you found really difficult to edit that you're really proud of?
1: Talking about documentary, you use 90 or 95% of the actual time in editing, looking for the ending of the story, you know where it all sums up and where you understood what was the uh, deeper moral question that we asked in, up in the beginning of the film. So, you know, how does that close? How does all these uh, elements come together? I find it as you may know, I, I, I go often back and forth between documentary and feature film, which I, I, I really like. Documentary film you have to have a completely different moral coda and your way of dealing with it because it's 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 reality, it's uh, real people, you have to be in a situation where you can face them and look them into their eyes afterwards and say that and they feel that they have been treated correctly and that this is the, uh, for their point of view, it's a a true story. And in feature film, you can deal with it in many different ways. If you just mentioned the hunt. Mm -hmm. In the hunt, we had the three different kinds of endings that we were dealing with. You know, there was one ending, uh, which is in the finished film that uh, he is going out. uh, Hunting is becoming, together with his son, And he's sent the sun in one direction, and he goes alone further on there. And then suddenly, there's a shot that hits the tree over his head. Mm -hmm. And he falls to the ground, and he looks up, uh, and he cannot see who actually shot at him. Mm -hmm. That is the ending of the film. But we also had a, a situation where he was hit and shot and falls to the ground. We also got a possibility to show who actually shot I'm not going to be all that because it's not in the film. So that's not uh, interesting. In that sense. Mm-hmm. But it's just that we dealt with different kinds of possibilities there. Uh, and what will actually, you know, uh, happen there. In the, in a feature film, you can have your main character to survive, or you can kill him as in as in but in documentary, you cannot do that. I mean, it's, uh, it's reality. It's, it's, uh, there's no doubt about it. You, you cannot just take your main character there and just for fun, you know, kill him. So what we had in the ending of Flea was one thing and was film, was that in real footage that they move into their new house
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, the, and the dialogue. And as you can see the in the way that it ends in the garden, you know, we've cut to real footage. The difficulties was to as I said before, we had the young kid coming to Denmark, being uh, in in school, and finally go to Stockholm to meet with his hidden and secret secret uh, family there, and go into the gay bar, and that is a fantastic moment, mm-hmm. you know. And then then we have the ending, the ending ending of the film that we knew that the uh, uh, grown up admin will move in with his uh, boyfriend and get married. But the emotional, and as I talked about before, you know, taking a Amin, the grown up, Amin to analyze himself, and understand what needs to be done in actually to move in with his friend, we needed Jonas to go back and have more uh, discussions with him mm-hmm. about that, that. that. Building up that moment came in very late. And I think was quite interesting, you know, how to really get the grown-up I mean to sum up his thoughts about uh, coming from a childhood, not relying on people and don't trust people till actually facing him in the airport and saying that I, I think that something needs to be done to emotionally build up the ending that is emotional to the
0: audience. You've been very generous with your time and I have one last question for you. It is just a fun question. Uh, Is there a show or a movie that is your favorite guilty pleasure show or film to watch?
1: One series that I have watched lately and uh, that I really have enjoyed enormously, White Lotus. I think White Lotus has this uh, funny way of be with its character and really love its character. And at the same time, go over the top and mm-hmm. at the same time being so political tough on uh, society today mm-hmm. that's one thing that is you know simply understanding there and I think that they, they play beautifully from a editing point of view or from a storyteller point of view after being in the editing for so many years mm-hmm. is the use of the music a yeah. fantastic way of using the music there and, and uh, very very inspiring of uh, what you can do there and being ironic and pushing the story forward propelling the story by the music and giving it a a certain tension to it Mm -hmm. and i think that you really feel the storyteller behind the you know that there's there's one there that is taking you on a ride. there's a there's a person there there's a storyteller behind that i really like when i can feel the storyteller behind you know that that storyteller wants me to uh, to react that's one film that i think that everybody should see or at least storytellers yeah in uh, whatever branch that we are i think you know that godfather one and two is one thing that you should see it, it a lot of these scenes then in, in, in that film is so simple simple executed uh, in filming in, in directing I thing it's just so smooth and and,
0: and 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 simple. Thank you so much for letting me interview. Sure. So that was my interview with Yanis. I'd like to thank him for allowing me to interview him. I'd also like to thank uh, Evan Winch for cutting this episode. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.